I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey cool dudes, welcome to another episode of my movie making podcast extravaganza. How is this film of yours, Marek? Yeah, that's what this podcast is about. I speak to filmmakers and then um, I use their advice to make a film. So far, I've raised £710. Thank you to all the donators. I've spent well, after today, about £620 of it. So I've got hardly anything left. I've started making the film. I've just come back from the woods where I got a friend to film me um, burying a body. I mean, it was quite an awkward experience. You can find out all about the latest in my filmmaking um, thing. Oh, I'm so tired. Um, it's very tiring work burying um, bodies, even not real ones. You can find out all about it on com forward slash Matt makes a movie and then there's a blog of where, if you click on that, there's a blog on there where I'll go into more detail about it. If you have donated, thank you very much. You are literally saving my bacon. If you would like to donate and help the film, I'll be really, really grateful and if you donate more than £5, I'll send you a, a nice badge. How about that for a deal? Anyway, this week I spoke to Nick Coop, who is a producer. He's been listed as the TV Festival's top 30 ones to watch in up-and-coming television workers. I work with him on a couple of things. One of them is a short called Lucky Chicken, which we talk about in the podcast. I'll put a link to that on the Matt Makes a Movie Facebook page and... Also, I must apologise for the sound of doors banging occasionally as we were in a small room and lots of dickheads walked past. Anyway, that's enough of me talking. No one wants to hear that. Keep supporting my project. I think you're all really nice. 
Oh, I just get on with it. It's Marit makes a movie. What's it about? I'll tell you. Talking to filmmakers about stuff, editing, camera work, directing, acting, all sorts. Mainly bullshit. Well, hello again. I am in a small room with Nick Coop. It is pronounced Coop, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. Um, and you can pretend you're in a small room too. And what's great about it is there's definitely going to be that really weird echo that everyone enjoys listening to. Now, Nick, I've done some short films with you and I'm going to talk today about producing stuff. Yeah. And you produce stuff and you worked as a production coordinator. First of all, it's always really weird trying to work out what does a producer do. Yeah, I'm trying to work that out as well. I think it depends on the different projects because whenever we've done short films or anything together, that's sort of been my job has been being there at the very start, coming up with the idea sometimes, all the way through to making sure we've bought the right. Kit Kats on the day. Oh, I mean, this is harking back to an incident. Before we start, uh, our listeners will be intrigued by a lot. No, a lot of people are listening to find about film, but if you were to buy a chocolate bar as food for your crew, who would pick a penguin over Kit Kat? I mean, penguins are a shit chocolate bar. Great chocolate bar. And since since this incident, have you started buying Kit Kats and the penguins? It's been exclusively Kit Kats on on all my sets since um, since Marek almost stormed off his own shoot a couple of months ago. It's, it's about six months ago now, isn't it? Um, so say right, say for example, like we're making you're a producer on a film, and someone goes, "All oh, right, here's a budget. You've got a budget of about two or th- well, Lucky Chicken's a good example. If we yeah. worked on a film called Lucky Chicken." What was it, uh, which was a silent film and you produced that and it was for young filmmakers and was it seven grand the budget? Yeah, it was meant to be five but it was seven in the end, yeah. How do you work with a sort of negligible amount of money? Well, it's sort of... I mean, that's a really... that sort of budget because that was a three... four-day shoot mm. for a £7,000 budget and that was sort of almost irritatingly in between because then you're paying people a bit. I think the, the mistake that I've made before with budgeting is sort of working out what I should pay everyone and what stuff should cost and then coming to a figure based on that. But often with sort of low budget and indie filmmaking you have to work out what you've got and what you can afford. So with that it's a case of working backwards and saying well we've only got this amount of money so I can only afford to pay the crew you know £2,000 in total so that means we'll work it out if we've got 10 people that's two and it's sort of working backwards from there and coming up with a fairly arbitrary figure that you're offering people um, as sort of a token or a gesture rather than when you're budgeted when you're working on a proper film with proper money you start and you work out right this is how much a director costs this is how much everyone costs um, you have to know what the film is before you can work out any of the costs really yeah there's no sort of I'm sure there there, there are sort of I've been, gone on courses before where they've said like you know 
a budget should be a third post-production a third this or a third whatever but that all entirely depends on what you're shooting and who's shooting in if you work I work with a with directors a lot who sort of have their own kit so that obviously reduces your budget massively or if the director's going to do the edit and sort of colour it themselves and that sort of thing that's the thing now a lot of low budget stuff people are doing everything themselves aren't they yeah and it's sort of because it is it's not easy but it is possible to make something really high quality with sort of you know you know feature films being shot on iPhones and stuff and I don't think that's really necessarily what everyone should be doing but you can particularly with comedy as well because if it's funny it's sort of funny it doesn't matter if it's shot on an iPhone or shot on the highest end camera with a shooting crew of 100 people that is good news for this film which currently has £710 budget which I spent about 500 and something off Um, on on, on Kit Kats I haven't yet to buy any Kit Kats um so, say you're getting into, how, how does someone get into producing it? What was your road into it? Um, mine was sort of, I'm still still on that path a bit. I started off, I was working as a runner in on feature films and trying to sort of work out whose job on set I actually wanted. And it's sort of been a process of elimination from there. And it, I, I think for me, what, I like about producing is being that sort of central figure across. You like the power. I, I like the power more than anything, yeah. Um, but being sort of across everything and, and understanding what everyone's doing, and I found whenever I go down a more specific role, like when I was uh, when I worked briefly for like the AD department, I was sort of felt like I was out of the loop of other stuff going on, and I wanted to be more. Yeah, and that's why I enjoy sort of production work as well and coordinating and that sort of thing. So your job at the moment, your production coordinator at the BBC. Yeah. And what does that involve? So that's a lot of working uh, on radio, um, which is obviously much sort of lower budget and lower manpower than TV. So we sort of, they'll often just be a producer and a coordinator and that's the entire production team for a radio show. And all you've got to do is just say to um, Mars Jap or Susan Kalman, what do you want to do next? And that's it, right? <laughs> Isn't, that BB- <laughs> Isn't that BBC Radio? <laughs> that's, that's, I'm not sure that's a policy. But <laughs> okay, so when you're working on, on, on the film, so it's a short film, and you've worked a lot with Gully Moore, who's a great director, what's your relationship like on... Uh, when you work in a short film, what is your sort of workflow? And what do you have? To, what are you responsible for? Um, so the bit that I really enjoy about producing is sort of being responsible for the the sort of overall editorial, like sort of the where you're going to shoot it, how you're going to shoot it, um, who you're going to cast in it. I really like enjoy that that process, and then making sure like the integrity of the of what has been written is sort of being you know presented on screen and, and all of that um so there's a lot of there that's sort of the bit that i really enjoy but when we're doing short films you can't really afford to have an enormous production team so i'll also end up you know booking the venues and 
doing all the budgeting and working out what we can pay locations and finding like locations scouting and agreeing contracts with locations like all of that side of it as well as uh, negotiating cast deals and booking them and working out where they live and how they're going to get to set and you know often writing a call sheet and doing a risk assessment and all of the like buying the food and buying the penguins buying the penguins making sure there are enough penguins for everyone and all of that like practical stuff as well which is sort of three four people's jobs yeah if you do it properly but hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Talking about locations, see, I need a couple of locations for my film, which is going to cost me. Can you get, how do you approach, for example, I want someone to buy, uh, I have to go and buy a, a trowel and a hacksaw from a DIY shop or garden centre. So I need, and my thing's going to be filmed all from sort of, a, as a vlogging film, to get away through the, making the cost cheap. Yeah. But obviously, these are bring all the other locations. I'm trying to source where I can use the places that I I live in or my friends live in. Yeah. How do you approach them, and what is a standard fee for say oh, it's going to be an hour or something like that? Or it just massively varies because as soon as you start paying anything, <laughs> so we we made Lucky Chicken. We've made a few films in this place called Froom in Somerset, which mm-hmm. is this like lovely it's so picturesque it just they f- use it for they film Poldark and stuff there because it's so old school picturesque and for the thing we just did actually we realised that our transport and accommodation budget was sort of massive This it was a £15,000 budget overall or something and we'd spent like three or £4,000 on getting everyone to Somerset and accommodating them for four nights 
but our locations budget was literally nothing because we'd got all of these places they were just happy to have us and really excited by what we were doing and you know so long as you, we put thank you to them at the end of it mm-hmm. on the credits or wherever we posted it they were sort of they were happy and they were just excited I think it's so yeah that's sort of the my recommendation is finding places where they're intrigued and they know that they're sort of doing you a favour rather than I mean it's quite hard in London because everyone's just miserable and everyone's miserable and I've got to go and approach people and say yeah I basically want to buy some um, uh, something from your um, shop which I'm going to use to cut up the body and then bury it yeah <laughs> that's always the thing you have that like where they last for the context. I've got a friend who's. And it's, it's, yeah. I also have to apologise for the banging of the door outside. Yeah. I mean, and it adds to some. That adds to the drama, doesn't it? It's the drama of the the BBC toilets where we're positioned, literally next door. Yeah. yeah. Banger. But yeah, I've got a friend who made a sketch the other day, which was all about uh, like people, the reality versus the expectation of like losing people's virginity and people say oh it was amazing it's just fantastic experience and then cutting to what it was actually like and they turned up to film in this airbnb and the person there was like oh, i'm just gonna be hanging around i thought it would be really interesting to see a film set see what you're oh, all up no. to and he was just like oh god <laughs> oh no what are you filming and you just sure it's part of the airbnb they've got they can't hang around they've got to go haven't they? well yeah i mean <laughs> I don't think technically you're not allowed to film in Airbnb, so I probably shouldn't drop him in it. But, um, but yeah, that's that's the main thing is just finding people who are excited by the process. And contractually, um, doing all the contracts and stuff. I think in terms of this, I'm sort of going back to my film example. I'm gonna, I can't afford to pay people, so I'm gonna give them a share of the net profits, which I'm gonna split. On uh, according to how many days they've done, so it's like even the even the crew or people or actors in it. Where do you get your contracts from? Is there like a standard contract thing you get, or there are some, yeah. Um, there is some sort of I think shooting people have like templates mm-hmm. for, but they'll often be sort of the sort of thing that agents will never agree to because you know you're doing a short film and um, you sort of have to be realistic in what. You know, a, a decent agent isn't going to let their client sign something that says, "Right, I'm going to pay you ten pounds per day, yeah. and if the film suddenly gets sold to Netflix, I'm going to keep all that money, like because yeah. you've had your ten pounds." So, um, I've, yeah, I think there are some templates out there. I've got a friend who helps me with that sort of thing, who's sort of uh, legally is a lawyer and works in in sort of TV industry. And he helps me for some reason, but um, is that a nightmare dealing with agents then? Can be, but a lot, a lot because I work in comedy. There are only actually quite a few agents, uh, only relatively few agents that you deal with. Yeah. So you tend to sort of you're not coming at it completely cold every time. There are people that you sort of there are about sort of ten agents mm. that we'll deal with on a regular basis so it makes it a lot easier when they know that you're not you know just some student trying to rip rip their client off yeah so if you're going to be a producer if you're producing on a what, would you, what have you learned from being a producer and what advice would you give to people what are the most important things that you've learned 
I think the most important thing that I've learned is that you just need to be really clear about what the project is from the start because people I've had some of the best times working on sort of low budget projects where no one's getting paid properly and it might only ever be seen by a couple of hundred people but because everyone knows what they're there for and there's sort of a common goal it just makes it that much easier as soon as you start trying to pretend it's something bigger than it is or try to get away with stuff I think that's when people start getting a bit annoyed and irritated if people feel like they're being ripped off or you know working too hard for for something um, so yeah I think that's my main thing is just sort of that communication and awareness and, and transparency I feel like I yeah. say transparency transparency yeah and and sort of can I say it again just say, say it again transparency transparency that's mainly yeah um, and just sort of an awareness of everything that's going on and, and having contingency in your budgets because often as well if it's a short film and it's not being funded by the BBC or whatever if you go over budget like where's that going to come from how do you put a percentage aside for contingency then yeah what is it that like 15% or something I tend to depending on what you're sort of dealing with either sort of 5 or 10% um because I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> if it come out of your own money. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It's not like. How many organs have you sold? Most, of, not mine, but with Lucky Chicken, that was one where we just came out at the end of it and we suddenly, you know, had to sort of between uh, me and Gully, the director, and Ollie, the the cinematographer, we sort of had to go. We've spent. 600 quid more than we have oh, no. so 200 pounds each and you sort of everyone else got a little token fee for their work and we, you got minus, we ended up spending money on minus it minus money going down the car wash working uh, doing uh, odd jobs for yeah. old ladies yeah so or when I say odd jobs <laughs> <laughs> that's the sort of tone this podcast <laughs> gets there in the end <laughs> So there we go, we've learned that if you get into production, you end up in debt and have to do <laughs> things you wouldn't. That's what we're saying, right? That's what we're saying. In that order, is the moral of this, of this podcast. In order to afford the Kit Kats, you have to wash some cars eventually, and the rest. Is there anything else you'd like to add to let the young producers listening to this programme to in, help enlighten them? Um... I don't, know, I don't feel that enlightened myself, really. It's a constant learning process. But your what your listeners were the ones to watch in the industry. Apparently, yeah. He's a very good producer. <laughs> well, thank you very much. No thanks for, for your time. And um, remember, listeners, stay hygienic. Marek makes a. Marit makes a movie. Um.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.